You are now listening to the Charity Church Podcast. Then once again, good afternoon. And hey, I'm back. I missed a week last week. Welcome back, Marty. Hey, so we're kind of swapping. You were you hosted last week. Now I'm hosting this week and you so anyway, um, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. It's good to have you back. I can tell you there's only one uh, true moderator of this, and that's you. <laughs> I don't know. I, <laughs> I tried. Listen, I thought you had fished it. At, at, was it you? Yeah, it was yeah, you and Tisha. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all did a fantastic job last week. I was thinking, Tom's got that little DJ thing going on, little radio learn, voice. Learn from the Woo! best, baby. I don't know about that. Um, but anyway... So this week we'll um, this is our weekly post sermon podcast where we just kind of dive a little bit deeper into the subject matter that was covered on Sunday, and uh, this past week we had the privilege of hearing from our very own Pastor Tommy D, our Connections Pastor here at Charity, and it was spot on, just like all the messages have been this month. And so uh, appreciate you bringing the word. Absolutely, ma'am. It it was one of those messages where. I knew I wasn't going to make friends, <laughs> but uh, just something that has kept me up at night so many times over the years. Well, it was interesting. My wife even said, man, you could feel the weight of what Tom was talking about because she said, I don't think he ever even made a joke, which is not your personality. Right. Yeah. So it was we, we, it was obvious that it came through. Um, but yeah, the evidence, evidence, um, what was the title of it? <laughs> It's such a memorable message. <laughs> evidence of faith. Evidence of faith. I knew. I knew the evidence thing. <laughs> evidence of faith. That's what we're looking at. So, um, yeah, just a, a quick overview. Go ahead. Sure. Um, well, the intro was that that sadly many, um, and that was an intentional word Jesus used. Will stand before Him one day and hear, "Depart from me, I never knew you." Could you imagine that? Oh, I, thinking I, all this time that you were good. you were good. Those are the scariest verses in Scripture. And I showed up to church every Sunday, yep. even came during COVID, yep. you know, memorized things, memorized verses, all of that. But yet, Oof. he I says— Depart from me, I never knew you. Whew, that'd be awful. Yeah. Yeah, that's the difference in this head knowledge and a heart knowledge. That's right. And there's people who know about Jesus. They know a lot about Jesus, more than I know about Jesus. Mm-hmm. But yet there's nothing life transformational in the sense of of life altering faith. That's right. And I think that's where you were going a lot with that Sunday. Yeah, because I believe that um it's not just my opinion, but I mean this is a, a faith that we should have evidence of. Yeah. The scripture talks all the time about your life will bear fruit. And mm-hmm. then the whole epistle, the first epistle that John wrote is that we will have assurance of that fellowship. So, yeah. And I think what gets confusing for people a lot of times is they felt like if you read the book of James, the letter of James that he wrote, where he says that faith without works is dead. Mm-hmm. Okay, so people start attaching faith and works together, whereas Paul came along before that and he said that— um, It's by grace. That it's by saved. grace, not of works. That's right lest any man should boast, as you pointed out so vividly on Sunday. And so it's all by grace through faith, but it's it's faith in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ alone. That's right. And uh, and, and somewhere along the way, um, it gets missed. 
it gets missed. I mean, we we come to Christ with a childlike faith, as you mentioned mm-hmm. on Sunday. What does a childlike faith look like? I just, when I think of children, that's I pointed out children have something in common, and that is total dependency. Yeah, and I think that's where we kind of miss the mark sometimes. Mm-hmm. We we. And I'm not saying we as in charity, you and me, but just as a whole, the big C church so often, uh, we give this false assurance that, and you say this magic prayer, you know, I, I'm your VBS leader. I'll even write the date in the margin of your Bible. Yeah. So if you ever question, you just go back and look at that date. And that's not what Jesus calls for. He calls for total dependency, yeah. lordship. I remember that. that's exactly how at five years old, my first profession of faith, if you will, was ever made. And I remember it very vividly, even yeah. as a five-year-old. I was in a vacation Bible school in just outside of Dallas, Texas, where we lived at the time. And and they gave the invitation or the altar call. And it was basically, um, they had talked about hell. And I remember them pulling anybody that raised their hand that said they didn't want to go to hell, go back into this room. Well, what five-year-old does want to go to hell? What any age person, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. I don't think anybody that ever, no. yeah, <laughs> whatever say they want to go there. So they gathered us in this room, and I remember there's probably 15, 20 of us. It, it was a room full of mm-hmm. little kids, and they just went around the room and pointed at us and said, "Do you want to go to hell?" No, no, yeah. <laughs> no. no. and uh, and and so they said, "Say this prayer," and it was a prayer of faith, which you know, I I guess as much as my five year old mind. Could understand. I, I did that, and I'm not saying a five year old can't be converted, but I just remember going back to that date. I never had assurance sure. of that salvation, and because you know, as I grew up and and you start getting exposed to sin more and more, I'm not sure as a five year old I'd have done a whole lot wrong. There's probably right. a few things I'm sure, but as you get older, you're exposed to more opportunities to sin, mm-hmm. and there was two sides of it. There's the fear of the consequence from your parents, but there ought to be a spiritual side of it as well that goes, there's there's con- deep conviction That's right. against what I've done. And I didn't recognize that in my life. And so when I was 12 years old is when I really believed that I, I put my faith in Jesus to become a follower. We have similar stories because I too, I said that prayer when I was a kid, but it was a get out of hell uh prayer yeah um it's funny i wasn't 12 i was 13 but you remember the pop artist carmen oh yeah Yeah, oh yeah baby i was at a carmen concert (laughs) that's scary anybody (laughs) yeah well but i something happened i remember going i didn't have a youth pastor with me i didn't grab my parents i just went home and i dropped to the side of my bed because for the first time i think i recognized rightly how wretched i am yeah that at my core I am rotten, and I was in desperate need of a savior. Yeah, and it took on a whole new uh, meaning. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Jesus, I need you. Um, yeah. I'm not sure what I thought before then, and but that was the moment that I look back to and say, "Man, that's when." And I haven't gotten it right many times since then. But 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 your relationship with sin is what you recognize. That's right. And there's a relationship with sin that we all have due to our sin nature that we're born with, that that is why Jesus came. That's what he came to die for, That's to right. pay the penalty for that sin. And we are not just a little bit messed up. 
You know, depravity hits us at every part of our body. Now, we're maybe not as bad as we could be, but every part of us has been touched by depravity. Sure. We're totally, we're totally depraved in the sense that, that sin has touched every part of us. Mm-hmm. And, and as a five-year-old, I didn't recognize that to, to the degree that, that I guess I should have or needed to or whatever. And, and I guess you could debate maybe there was a, a prayer of faith that would have been sufficient. But when I was 12, I just remember that conviction of sin. That's right. That, that I see too many people that they're just not convicted of sin. And I think that's one of the things that was one of the main drivers of why, you know, I lose so much sleep over this is again, social media can be such a great thing, but it's also a huge magnifier. And when I see church people, Mm Mm-hmm. And that's who Jesus was talking to in Matthew 7. Yeah. When I see church people as a whole, because, you know, we, we have friends all over the country. Yeah. And, and I see these people shining a spotlight and celebrating open, defiant sin. Yeah. But, it, but it's done in a, a way of in a celebratory way. And I'm like, right. God, like something about that should, it, it's not right. It's 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 disturbing. Well, you for, you for those of us who are pastors. Oh, yeah, it's disturbing. But you know, it's like when James talks about controlling the tongue and and um and out of out of your mouth will come praises to the Lord, and out of it will come curses. And I love what he says. It should not be right. And when you see stuff like that, I just want to be like, it it should not be this way. Mm-hmm. But it is, and I yeah. think it's the broken world. It's what's celebrated nowadays. It is. It, it's celebrated and it's not confronted. And I think that's why the message Sunday was so good. It just confronted that. You know, it, it, it's that, it, like you said earlier, it's the get out of hell free card that we think we can pl- pay it or, or, you know, have that. And then when we get to heaven, we can have that profession of faith when we're whatever age you're, years old. And then we live whatever lifestyle we want to live. And then we get to the end, and we get to go into heaven, and and you know Peter at the gates, as we always hear at the joke, and we have our our ticket, and he was going, Jesus, come here just a second. Yeah, they claim to know you, mm. but do you know them? That's a scary. And he would say, just depart I, from me. I, I never, never knew you, mm. but I was at church every Sunday. I don't. I, yeah, I don't. I, I don't know you. Mm. We never had a relationship. We never had a. Yeah, it is. It's the scariest. It's the scariest verse in, in scripture. Yep. The most heart wrenching for for those of us who are pastors that we just want to see people come to conversion in Christ and see that conversion affect every single part. It, it changes your view of the sin in your life. That's right. I certainly sin. Yep. I confess it all the time to the congregation. Yeah. You know my. My, Road my, rage. My, yeah, I've got a little <laughs> bit of anger when it comes to that. But it, but I will be honest, it, and I still make jokes about it, but there was a time when it was awful. I'm telling you, Tom, it was terrible. And now I still get aggravated with people, but it's not nearly what it used to be. Right, and we, and we do change and improve. I, I love what you say. <laughs> it doesn't mean that we're sinless, but it should mean that we, in fact, sin less. Sin less, yeah, yeah. yeah. And... uh you know, there's a. I was reading a book recently, and in it, it was so convicting. And um, and and so he says this. Um, 
we tend to confuse making a decision for Christ with being a disciple of Christ. He says being a disciple of Christ is more than admitting who Jesus is. Demons do that all the time in the Gospels. Churches are often filled with those who, listen to this, have demon-like faith. People will say Jesus is the Son of God, but then never love God or love others, and they slither into in and out of church week after week, but never hear the clomp of the cross being dragged behind them as they put their sins to death. Discipleship is more than a decision. Saying a prayer does not protect you from hell. Neither will a profession of faith once saved, always saved, sure, but the Bible doesn't teach one professed always or once professed always protected. That is heavy. Man, that's heavy. Absolutely. <laughs> I showed you that Sunday yep. morning before you went up there to preach the second uh in Perfect. the second service. It's like, man, I had read that just the day before and it was like, man, that is so true. Demon like faith. Demon like faith and so-called Christians slither in and out of church because it's the, it's the right thing to do, right? That's how they grew up. That's what they know they need to do. But there is no life transformation as the evidence, not requirement, right. but as the evidence, as James points out. Well, and one of the reasons I wanted to do this message, Paul says, examine yourself in Corinthians. So I wanted us all to, to self-examine, but for the purpose of having assurance, those that are genuinely in fellowship with Christ, because, man, when you have assurance of that faith, I can't think of a greater motivator mm -hmm. to live a life um, that imitates Christ. Yeah. You know, so our lives should be conforming to the image of Christ, as Paul writes in, in Romans. Um, so the three areas I just wanted us to examine was who do you say Jesus is, first and foremost? That's the most important thing. Yeah. Um, has your relationship with sin changed, which is what you and I've been talking about, uh, because we've been given that brand new nature. Yeah. And then finally, has your love for people changed? Mm -hmm. All of those should be identifiable marks on our lives. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you know, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to love people, everybody, you mm -hmm. know, there are people that Aren't Don't lovable. Love, well, there I'm not lovable That's at right. times. Yeah. And I think it's amazing that my wife has stayed married to me for 34 years. She probably didn't love me the whole time. There had to have been gaps in it. Right. I mean, you know, she was honest. Um, but but the thing, God's love for us never fails mm. as his children. And he says, as I have loved, so you should love as well. And so it's it's a decision that we have to make, and it is a cross that we have to carry. And that is where being being nice to people that you don't like or being nice to people that don't like you, mm -hmm. that's kind of the way Jesus was, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. That is. And he was the perfect model. He was a perfect yeah. model for it. And, uh, and, and as Christians, I think that we... I, I just think as the human race right now, especially in, 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 our, in our American culture, is we just believe that happiness is the ultimate goal. And so whatever that looks like in our life, no matter what habit I want to continue in, no matter what relationship I want to continue in, no matter what lifestyle I want to continue in, happiness for us is the end game. But that's not what Jesus taught. 
But man, is that not just the ultimate setup for destruction? Because we all know what it's like to be happy. Yeah. And we also know that happiness, that moment is momentary. And so what do we do? We keep going back to chase what gave us that moment of happiness. And when it comes to uh, different addictions and things like that, the problem is what made you happy in the beginning isn't going to make you happy. And it's going to take more and more and more. But you see that manifesting itself throughout culture and all different areas. So, yeah, yeah, it's circumstantial. And in our circumstances, we want to create a happy environment for ourselves. I'll continue no matter what it looks like, whether it is contrary to what Jesus taught us or not, right. or what Paul taught us. Um, it doesn't matter. My happiness is what matters. Well, that's not what Jesus taught. It's, it's take up your cross mm-hmm. and follow me. Yeah. Take up your cross and follow me and live the life that I've laid out for you. And at times, you're not going to feel very happy circumstantially. But inside, there's going to be a lot more joy. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be, on the other side of that uh, trial or whatever it is you're going through, there's going to be a place that you would have not arrived otherwise had you just pursued happiness rather than holiness. Yeah, one of the things I did leading up to this message just went back and read a lot of the words written in red in my Bible. Yeah. Just if it was in red, I tried to read it, man. Am I, am I going about this the wrong way? And and really what kept jumping out at me is it's kind of what you just said. Jesus never promised us happiness. And, mm-hmm. and so, so often we think, uh, I think that it's taught in America, particularly give your life to Jesus. Everything will be good. I'm like, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus yeah. said, hey, foxes have dens and birds have nests. Son of man's got nowhere to lay his head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm homeless. You want to follow me? Come on. What? Yeah. Well, that's not what I hear from pulpits all over America. You, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So. Absolutely. And I think of the you know the woman at the well that, that Jesus confronted with her sin, you know, and, and uh, she wanted to make it a religious discussion. And he was like, "No, let's 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 go yeah. a little deeper than that." That's right. I'm not going to get into a political or a, a religious debate with you, which is kind of two pronged there with with her. But he was saying, "There's sin that you're looking. There, there's there's joy that you're looking for, and for her, it was relationships." Yeah. And he was saying, "I've got some living water, and once you taste of of this, you'll never thirst again." And so, you know, the 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 litmus test for our Christianity, certainly it comes down to, do we believe in, in the sense that we're putting all of our faith in Jesus Christ? And it's not that he is just somebody to tag along at the beginning when we make the profession of faith and grab him up again when we get ready to die. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, that's, that's not the lifestyle that he says believers are to live. Yeah, or everything in our lives should flow from the relationship from, we have with Him. Yeah, and it's not for that. You like you. That's right. You know, it's 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 a. I like that. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes even when you hear a sermon like the one you preached, there's always that. And we talked about this beforehand. The fact that you don't want to create doubt where no doubt is needed. Correct. So if someone is truly a follower of Jesus, just because they had a hiccup along the way. Which we all have. We all do. The yep. prodigal son was a great example of that, you know. 
but he came to himself. Mm-hmm. He was when he was in the pig trough, as That's you right. talked about. He realized it would have been better to be I a servant. Doing? Yeah, yeah. I, I, a servant in my dad's house is better than mm-hmm. a king out here. And so he headed back home. And uh, and and something else I had read in this this uh, book was this, and we'll just finish up here. Um, he says, "Believers will not, cannot unbelieve. Will there be doubts? Certainly. Will we sin? Yes." Will there be periods of backsliding into sin and a belittling of God's grace? Probably. But prodigals eventually come home. Sins that have already been covered by the blood of Jesus cannot be uncovered. And this verse is always true. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Gives me goosebumps just hearing that. Well, that's just a great confirmation for those who are in, they're followers of Jesus, but yet Maybe you're off track right now. Hey, the prodigal needs to pick his head up and come running home. I was going to say, time to pull that head out of the pig trough. Go home, baby. Get it. Get it. Because yeah. the Father's got open arms mm. waiting on you. Right. And so, listen, if you if you uh, are at a place where you're needing confirmation of your salvation, p- please feel free to reach out to any of us here at Charity, and we'd love to talk to you more about that. And uh, coming up this week, we've got the illustrious Grant Ketron. I'm always interested in what adjective you're going to use. use. (laughs) He's back off of camp. They had camp this past week, and so he is raring to go, I'm sure. And so any final thoughts? Nope. Uh, Just other than to say thanks again for Pastor's Choice, man. Such a fun series during the summer. Yeah, it's starting to feel long now. I'm ready to yeah, preach. Yeah, you're ready to okay, get back I'm up ready there. To <laughs> so until next week, hey, next week we're going to have a couple of uh, special broadcasts um, of, of this. We're going to be actually broadcasting from Tanzania. We're leaving Monday morning, taking a team of 20 over there. And so next week we will be coming to you from over on the other side of the big pond. So we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.